My vital signs are being monitored and reported to a command center where they're watching for changes that signal a high likelihood that I'm being threatened. Artificial intelligence is being used to integrate the patterns, anomalies, and behaviors seen on video that signal that someone's about to move or create a risky situation. My entire work unit receives a notification to a warned device telling me that there's a credible threat to my security and that we should activate our threat plan. Next week, I'm scheduled to undergo training with virtual reality tools to help equip me to deal with evolving violent situations. Those entering our work area enter through a system designed to detect concealed weapons. So where do I work? Am I a DOD agent? Do I work in law enforcement? Am I in security at an airport? Or am I a healthcare worker? Well, physicians, nurses, and other healthcare workers come into this line of work and train for years to encourage and promote healing. But these same professionals are experiencing workplace violence rates that are over five times higher than workers in any other occupational site. The silent epidemic of violence has grown in proportion over the last decades. And now, although it isn't where we wanted to be spending our resources, it has become necessary to provide safe environments to work and to heal. This is part of several Mayo Clinic podcasts discussing violence in the healthcare workplace. One of our podcasts spoke to the very personal side of how this environment is affecting those in healthcare, and another speaks to how we are changing our work to improve safety. But in today's podcast, we're going to hear from some of our security experts here at Mayo Clinic about some of the technological aspects of healthcare security and workplace violence prevention. Hello to all our quality-minded listeners. A special shout out to our Mayo Clinic Care Network members. Welcome to Key into Quality, a Mayo Clinic podcast focusing on healthcare quality, experience, and affordability trends and solutions. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Tim Morgenthaler, a professor of medicine here at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science, and I'm the vice chair of Mayo Clinic Quality. Co-hosting today's conversation is Sherry Nemec. Sherry? Welcome, everyone. I'm Sherry Nemec, Consultation and Relationship Manager for Quality at Mayo Clinic. And I'm looking forward to the conversation today related to technologies and systems that are designed to help not only keep our healthcare workers safe, but our patients and visitors as well. Sherry, today we're joined by two experts from Mayo Clinic, and I'm going to ask them here just in a moment to introduce themselves. I'll start with Melissa. Melissa, could you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you've come to Mayo Clinic and what your prior experiences were? Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm Missy Zwiebelhofer. I'm a senior security manager with global security operations here for Rochester. Prior to coming to Rochester, I was a, a police officer. So I spent my time before Mayo in law enforcement, where I really developed a unique set of skills that we use here at Mayo Clinic, as I'm one of about 210 certified threat assessment professionals uh, throughout the United States. Wow. We're so glad to have you on our podcast today. Our other guest is Ryan Hatton. Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah, thank you very much. So uh, my name is Ryan Hatton. I'm the manager of Mayo Clinic's Global Security Operations Center. I also manage security technology for the enterprise. I come to Mayo Clinic with over 15 years in the industry, the security industry, working both domestic and international organizations, anywhere from security technology through investigations of theft, fraud, misappropriation, kind of the whole gamut of security. Wow. So, you know, Missy and Ryan, I kind of started this podcast with perhaps a little bit of drama, but it was intended to engage our listeners and help them know that, hey, we really do have some serious security problems in our healthcare facilities and that we're really moving towards more sophisticated approaches and strategies and technologies to improve the safety for our staff, our patients, our visitors. I do know that our our overall approach is evolving. You two are a big part of that. So maybe I could just lead with, you know, can you share with us a little bit about your thinking? How are you thinking about security as it pertains to helping us work safer in safer healthcare environments? One of the things we've seen recently is global security has undergone a transformation. We've gone from a site-based security team to a shared service and a, a global team to better protect our patients, visitors, and of course, our staff. I think I was a little, maybe a little surprised, and maybe some of our listeners are surprised to be jumping from healthcare facilities to terms like global security. So tell us a little bit about that. How have we gotten there at Mayo Clinic from local to global? Our mantra in security, our motto for quite some time here is that you can't provide world-class healthcare if you don't feel safe. And so as we think about that and think about how we are trying to transform security and security at Mayo Clinic, there really has been a concerted effort to move us from that site-based. And what I mean by site-based security is it's a all in-house shop for whatever region, whatever site managed by a local person who's responsible for security to an overall global approach as Mayo Clinic expands both domestically and internationally, how are we trying to understand and effectively transform how we provide security to make sure that our staff, that our patients feel safe while they're receiving care at Mayo Clinic. So security as a shared service is really focused on that. How are we locally providing the support that we always have, providing those boots on the ground, those individuals who are responding to those calls for service, who are going to be the most patient-facing and staff-facing members of our global security team, uh, how are we providing them with the right support? And as a shared service, our global security operations team really provides that back of the house or back end support. What are the policies? What are the procedures? What are the technologies that they need to be effective in their job? So moving to that shared service has allowed our teams who are local in providing that customer focused or that patient and staff focused service, the greatest bandwidth for them to do what's really most important for them. And that's protecting our people and our patients. So Ryan, can you give us a sense of what some of those teams might be under that umbrella of global security? I'll let Missy speak to the the campus operations side, but on at least on the global security operations side, there's multiple teams. So we have teams who are focused on, for example, my area, security technology, who are working through all of our cameras, our access controls, our panic arrest systems, infant protection systems, you name it. We have teams that are focused on security standards, building standards, data training of all of our staff. We have teams who are focused on intelligence. So security intelligence, how are we looking at threat monitoring, looking at duty of care, 
crisis response for our teams. We have a group that's focused specifically on emergency management or emergency response. So there's a whole host of, of team members who work within global security to support our campus operations. And, and Missy, I'll turn it over to you to describe our, our campus operations. When I describe it to our medical teams, I often describe it as an umbrella. So global security as the umbrella and underneath, we have our boots on the ground, the people that our team will most likely, or our medical staff or our patients and visitors will most likely interact with, which are our ambassador team and our campus security officer team. They're the two teams that most of our patients, visitors, and staff would interact with. And then as Ryan has described, sort of at the back of the house to support those campus teams to be sure that all of the work that they're doing has the support they need. Or in some cases, as our teams are working to handle the immediate, there are teams working in the background to handle any long-term support or needs. So our operational support services team does all of our follow-up or work on behavioral patients or any sort of long-term investigative or support work. There are threat assessment team. So that's the team that should Mayo Clinic receive a credible threat. They're working to be sure that our patients, visitors, and staff remain safe. We also, within that team, have our technology support to be sure that all of our cameras, access controls to support our security officers who are responding are all in place. That's amazing. My head is expanding as I'm hearing all this that goes on. Maybe if I could just start, you know, right at kind of uh, the front visible part of this. Tell us more about the ambassador team. Is that patient experience? Is that security? Is it both? I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, they are certainly the customer service face of security. They're the very first team you'll meet through our door. The team is designed to help control our access to all of our patient visitor entrances. So the ambassador team is really that access control team at our doors. They're helping us to understand who's coming into Mayo Clinic. Do they have a business reason to be here? And what are they bringing with them when they come? They're the first team that helps protect everyone within our walls. One of the things that you just said, you talked about access points, and I'm just kind of wondering how has that changed over the past five to 10 years? You know, when I first joined Mayo Clinic, it was a long, long time ago, and the access point was any place. I mean, you could just walk in any place. My sense is that's changed a bit. What what can you tell us about that? So the threat landscape has changed. And with that, we need to know who's in our building and do they have a business purpose to be here or a business reason to be here. And it isn't just about physical security that has changed that concept. Certainly COVID changed that for us as well. Mm. As we look at reasons to be within Mayo Clinic, at this point, we need the ability to know who's in our environment and that their reason for being here isn't a threat to Mayo Clinic. Missy said that COVID was a real driving factor of some of the reason we were able to change, say, the amount of of entrance points or access to this, just because we had to. We had to screen individuals who were coming through. But that really helped us and the leadership at Mayo Clinic to really think differently about how we're allowing and who we're allowing and what we're allowing into our campus. Now, Missy's called out several items here. Do you have a business reason to be here? But what else are you bringing in? Are you bringing in weapons? Are you bringing other communicable diseases? And leadership has really looked at that as an opportunity for us to say and think about that threat landscape. Do we need to have the ability to close down entrances in a very quick manner due to whatever that changing landscape is? Do we have the ability to open it back up where we need to? 
And right now we're in a, a really nice position where we're able to control more effectively who and what is coming into the institution. I'm just kind of reflecting on my long career here. You know, as I said, when we first started, you could come in anywhere. I happened to be around Mayo in the years of 9-11, and I remember everything shutting down very, very tightly. And, you know, you needed to have a card to get in because there was a lot of concern for a while across the whole nation about that. And then things became a little bit more open. And then here with COVID, just as you've described, but it seems to me also simultaneously, I'm kind of going back to what Missy was was mentioning with the ambassadors. What I'm hearing from you, Missy and, and Ryan, is those people have kind of dual responsibilities. Every day when I come into work, I couldn't meet more pleasant people than who are greeting me, but I'm hearing that they're actually fulfilling a different function. How are they trained to do that? So the training they receive is a surrounding of course, they're running a, a passive weapons detection system. So they are trained to look for or identify weapons. But at the same time, they're certainly partners with all of our medical teams. Our goal for them would be to welcome patients and visitors as they enter our building, but just be sure that as they're entering the building, they're not bringing with them anything that would endanger our staff or other patients and visitors. Yeah, it's really a hybrid role. Right. You have obviously the security aspect of it, but then there's also very much a, a customer focus aspect of it. They are the first point of contact. They're the individuals who are greeting every single person who walks through the door. So it's a really critical role for us. And it really lends into the concept of layered security. They are a group of individuals who are playing a very key, important layer of securing our facilities. Talk a little bit more about the layers of security and what is that concept and how is that being actualized by the organization that you all are hel helping to set up? Yeah, so there's there's the, the a, a layered security concept is one that looks at it's it's not a one size solution fits all for every single location. So in order to really be effective at securing a site or securing a building, you look at different layers. And those layers start from the, the time that an individual comes onto campus. What kind of signage are they seeing indicating that there's a security presence? Do they see cameras? Do they see bollards in front of doors? And it goes everywhere from the concepts of crime prevention through environmental design and how we design our buildings, how we design the visible pathways for people to get in so they feel safe and secure, all the way through the people that you're putting in place and then some of those non-visible things like the technology that you're putting in and nicely tying in the building design security technology with that people facing, you have to encounter security within our, our walls as part of your experience here. Our security team for our medical teams, medical staff, and our patients and visitors truly have been integral to making sure that when anyone's here at Mayo Clinic, they feel safe. Yeah, I would imagine them just thinking about, you know, the size of Mayo Clinic and the different sizes from our destination locations to our community practice locations. And can you say anything about how you think about those layers and that need to be able to adapt to large and small organizations? How are you thinking about that? So as far as psychological safety, we have that global security umbrella, 
our physical security teams on the ground, but as part of our psychological security, we have our access controls, we have our camera systems, we have our global security operations center support, but also we work hard to be partners with our for instance, safety pillar and our community teams. Hearing what our medical staff have said about their safety and the things that concern them, we have added hospital resource officers to our environment. They're police officers who patrol only here at Mayo Clinic. They're hired just so that they can patrol within our walls. And as a result, we have this very nice community outreach team that goes within security to our law enforcement community, even uh, support through our legal system outside of Mayo Clinic. We're very specific about how we design our buildings. We work very heavily with our facilities teams, and that's for any type of facility that we operate, whether that's a clinic, whether that's a critical access hospital, or one of our destination sites. Put building standards in place to address all of those security concerns right from the get-go, whether it's a, a new construction, whether it's a remodel. How are we implementing those technologies so that we can appropriately help from a security perspective and understand what threats or what situations are happening, and we can dispatch and get our officers on scene as quickly as possible through the utilization of that technology. It doesn't matter about the size. It's really what is the, the, the risk profile or the threat landscape of the particular community that we're serving in that location that we're serving. So, Ryan, I wonder if you could give us some examples of the types of things that you're talking about when it comes to the you know, building design. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the redesign because at an older campus or many of our older campuses, the buildings were built long ago. And I've seen some things come into play. Tell us a little bit about those design features that you are finding that are, are important. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I'll preface this with Mayo is an extremely large entity. I think we all know that. And each site, each building, uh, whether that's been acquired, whether that's been a remodel, whether that's been a new construction has at any given time had a different design standard for it. And it's only really through the transformation process and the shared service process that we've been moving to where we've come to one standard effort for how we're designing our buildings. As I think about this, some of our sites in the past have gone from having a video management system that was purchased at, and I'm not kidding, purchased at Radio Shack and it was recording to a closet. No one ever reviewed it. No one ever looked at it unless there was an incident. And what we've been doing in the last three years is really establishing the backbone for technology at Mayo Clinic. We've completely overhauled and deployed one single video management system. We had 13 before this. Wow. Deployed one access control system. We had five before this. We're working at deploying one single infant protection system, one wearable panic duress system. All of these solutions are going to be integrated so that they work together, they communicate with each other, so that our security teams in the, in the Global Security Operations Center, if someone forces a door open, if someone pushes a panic button, that system is connected with the video system which pulls up video of that specific area so that our operator in the GSOC or the Global Security Operations Center has a greater situational knowledge of what's happening. They can then use radio to contact our security officers, 
dispatch those security officers to respond as quickly as possible with as much information as possible to get to that scene and respond to those incidents. So the design as we're talking about this is really all meant to streamline and integrate everything to provide as much situational awareness as possible. And I'll just add on to that. Another benefit of that is our teams who have historically had to do all of those functions themselves as site security now rely on GSOC to do that overwatch and dispatching for us, which allows us to be a whole lot more proactive. You mentioned converging to one video management system, and I guess I'm conjuring up in my mind that there's like a control room, maybe this is the global security officer talking about, and they're seeing these video feeds. In healthcare, as we've increased monitoring, we're starting to implement more and more machine learning, AI to kind of help us be more vigilant and more proactive in recognizing, you know, what's developing with patients. Are you applying things like that to the video management system? Yes, absolutely. Your picture that you have about a a single control room for this is spot on. We've adjusted from having five disparate security operation centers that were site-based to now we are building or we have built a global security operation center that as we finish the project will eventually support the entire enterprise with that one single location, one-stop shop of if you call security, you're calling that room And then they're monitoring the video, they're monitoring the alarms, and then they're dispatching officers to the specific sites. So within that, obviously, video is a a huge component of the things that team is able to accomplish, integrating that with access control, integrating that with our panic duress systems. Uh, But we are looking at other types of solutions that can help us to be more aware of what's happening in our environment, be more intelligence-led with our team and with the efforts that we're looking at. So things like loitering detection, things like like left item detection. They're pretty standard in the security industry, but until we've had this backbone infrastructure, we've never really been able to do that effectively. So now I can see, has a backpack been left in a a location where it shouldn't be? Is a person loitering in an area for longer than they really should be? And we're also exploring other types of advanced analytics like attribute detection. It's not always necessarily a security threat, but maybe we have a missing person and we know that that person is wearing a red shirt. Through that video management system, we'd be able to say, give me all the video currently showing anyone in this location wearing a red shirt. So it can help us quickly identify some of those challenges or threats uh, or issues as they occur. And then again, we can quickly partner with Missy's team and our campus operations team to get support where it's needed as soon as possible. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty mind blowing. And I can just think of all the great things that can come from that. So you mentioned, you know, Mayo Clinic is uh, obviously a a very large healthcare organization, and you can see the kind of resources that are going into this. If I wanted to pivot just for a moment, some of our listeners may be coming from a smaller hospital in smaller locations in the United States. What words of wisdom would you offer them as, you know, you've gone a long ways in this journey from I actually remember times when there was virtually no security presence inside of our clinic walls to what you've been describing here. What would you be your thoughts or suggestions or advice to a center that is just starting their growth curve on this? I think the best piece of advice I could have in that space is have great partnership with all of your stakeholders. It's taken us a long time to 
build the program and get it to a point where we're at. And we still have a lot of learning and growth to do as we continue to deploy this, but we would not have been able to get to this point had we not had the right support from our clinical staff, from our education staff, the different shields within Mayo Clinic to say this is absolutely necessary and this is really needed. So developing a really good business plan with those stakeholders in mind is going to be the greatest ticket to success. And that's important, not, not only for the technology side of things, but it's really tough to do your job in physical security if you don't have that technology partnership. Uh, Ryan and team on the on that side of the house, on the technology side of the house, or GSOC, do so well to support everything that, that we're doing on the physical side. There's just no single method of security that keeps us safe, but by layering those physical security officers with access management, with technology, we have just really moved into a space where we feel good about keeping everyone within our wall safe. Training, communication, awareness, those are all additional concepts and things that the team needs to be able to understand and utilize across any organization. There's a lot of change management that happens when it comes to, to these types of exercise or these types of deployments. Training your teams, whether they're part of security or not part of security, about you know, the importance of things like verbal de-escalation and what to do and how to respond in those types of workplace violence incidents can go so much further than you know, potentially having an officer in every location or having a camera in every location. So ensuring that you have the right buy-in and support to make sure people know what to do in those situations and know how to react is, is vitally important as well. I think it's probably worth noting that as part of what we've done in global security, as part of becoming global security rather than site security. One of the changes we've made and one of the things that we've done is we have standardized training for our officers across the enterprise. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you are in Rochester or you're in Florida, the training you receive is the same. Our officers go through a day one of training is being tied to the mission of Mayo Clinic, that our sole purpose is to safeguard Mayo Clinic patients, visitors, and staff they spend a great amount of time learning how to verbal de, uh, do verbal de-escalation. They are trained in suspicion indicator recognition and assessment. We've done a partnership with our nursing partners to train our evade defense and de-escalation tactics or workplace violence education. And all of that is designed to make us a more proactive team, but also to be sure that we are able to support and integrate all of our skills with the technology side of things. Those are great points and I think would be hugely valuable to uh, those who are listening to the podcast because those are concepts that I know that have taken years to kind of arrive at in, in healthcare. I can tell from how elaborate the systems are now and how layered they are, I'm convinced that I am more safe in my environment than I used to be particularly as the threats that are coming into our health system have increased. But I'm just wondering, you know, as you put some of these systems into play, some of them are very visible, some of them are very technological, some of them are training, some of them are invisible. What are staff and visitors and patients, what are you hearing back from them about how they feel about these increased security measures? Passive weapons detection is an extremely visible layer of security. And it's something that's very new. It's talked about a lot, whether it's at yeah. Mayo Clinic and healthcare or other places. And a lot of 
organizations are moving towards some type of weapons detection, I think it's important the choice to do passive weapons detection and the choice of systems that we went through. It was a very targeted effort to make sure that we were maintaining the feel of Mayo Clinic, the welcoming open environment. We very much had requirements that we were not going to stop every single person that was coming through and screen and, and scan them through metal detection. We identified a system that uses technology and intelligence to identify potential weapons in a very targeted manner so that that screening can be, be very quick and be very efficient so that it does not upset the flow. And Missy called out too, there's been very high satisfaction numbers from our employees, but even really high satisfaction numbers from our patients that are coming through. Very happy about the that sense of safety that they get, that psychological safety that they get from the passive weapon systems. Missy and Ryan, this is fascinating work that you've been involved in, and I can't thank you enough for sharing your insights about this to Sherry and I and to our listeners. Unfortunately, we're going to have to close our podcast. We've come to the end. We're really glad that our listeners could join us, and we hope that the information provided has been insightful and valuable. Again, Mayo Clinic's Key into Quality podcast aims to help you take some of those first steps to address important quality challenges in your organization. The development of this podcast is part of our effort to be a valued resource to healthcare organizations that are striving to improve. Our goal is to improve quality for patients and the populations that we all serve. Please let us know if you enjoyed this podcast, and if you did, let others in your organization know about it so that the information can be spread, and let us know how we could improve. Until next time, thank you very much.